Welcome to Pop Yak, where we yak about pop culture. I'm your host, TJ, and we're going to start off with Invincible. In this episode, Titan does what any of us would have done and fills the power vacuum with himself. But we'll get to that. We find out why Mahershala Ali was the one that was cast as Titan. I was like, man, he was only had a cameo. That's pretty lame. But then I was like, you know what? I understand he's an Oscar-winning actor. But then they were like, nah, he's going to have some more to do. They kept the fact that Carl Winslow is Invincible's principal. I was really hoping, like, oh man, I hope so. In the comics, the each issue is the title of a sitcom. And there was an issue called Family Matters. But the whole theme of this episode is that Invincible takes care of all these really colorful, bright superheroes during the day. And at night, the real shit's going down. The shit that's actually affecting people on the ground. The dirty mob stuff, like, oh, you're going to pay us protection or we're going to burn down your store or... I'm going to light this place on fire so that I can get the insurance money. And Invincible, that's not what he does. He doesn't handle that. He handles the big league stuff, something that his dad made sure to beat into his head. His mom is like, hey, now, if somebody's in danger, then what's stopping you from, from saving them? She's also looking at her husband's side eye because she knows what ha- that situation, what happened with the Guardians of the Globe because of that notebook that Dark Blood left. I think his name is Dark Blood. The main mobster, his name is Machine Head. No, not the song. Or I think it's Machine Head's a band. One or the other. Neither of them. But this guy's like a luchador with a mechanical head. This dude like lives on microchips that give him a ton of information. Also money. Screw the rules. I have money. It's something that he actually did in this episode. We see the power of money. He was was able to buy the toughest motherfuckers around. Including motherfuckers from elsewhere. uh, Which is Battle Cat. Who was the MVP of that badass fight that took place at the end of this episode. Something that I noticed. Cecil also noticed. Keep your eyes on Cecil. He's up to some. He's up to no good. We find out uh, more about the no good that he's up to in the next episode. We find out in the episode last episode that Adam and Eve had pretty shitty parents. That the only reason they let her join the teen team is because Rex was there and he'd keep her safe. Like I get it. This is a little girl, but do they not understand her powers are like Omega level mutant? She could literally do whatever she wants. If she decided, if she decided that her parents were to no longer exist, she could do that with a snap of her fingers. She could make her dad turn into a fucking Pomeranian or a potato or a Pomeranian that is shaped and looks like a potato. She will rearrange your atoms for free, but she loves him. So she doesn't hurt him except for like taking away their door. I love that that's permanent. She took away the door, but her parents are pretty shitty. And she's like, look, I want to be a superhero. I want to change the world. I want to be the change I want to see in the world. Somebody like Adam Eve can actually do that. Too bad she wasn't called on to help Titan with his business. She would have done it easy. She would have taken fucking Machine Head's head and turned it into a slot machine. That, And I think that's why they wrote her out of this situation because she is too badass. Mark decides, fuck it, I'm going to help the people on the streets because Titan gets a hold of him and asks him, hey, you know what? I got to help you. And even then, like... Invincible's like, sorry, I only handle important shit. And he's like, motherfucker, this is not important. We had Titan take Mark on a Ghosts of Christmas present kind of walk through his neighborhood and see how, how fucked up everything is. That Most of it's fucked up partially because of him. He was paid to kind of keep, uh, keep his people down and like fuck them up. But he wasn't really paid. He was paying a debt that he owed to somebody else. Try not to get into debt to a guy who has a luchador mask for a head that's also a machine. The interest is going to be a little bit ridiculous. And then, don't go on to break his Italian wood table. The interest is just going to skyrocket. But the thing is, like, if Amber knows that Adam Eve's a superhero, and Mark is missing all the time, and Eve knows something that Amber doesn't, why doesn't Amber just put the pieces together? She's an incredibly smart girl. She's just probably too busy thinking that... Mark is doing some bullshit on the side because all he does is lie and he's not even a good liar. Like that one time he went on that vacation for two weeks and brought you back a random rock. 
yeah, thanks for nothing. He can't tell her he went to Mars and got a Mars rock. That's not even a cool present because she doesn't even know it's from Mars. It could just be a rock. I love that she was trying at her hardest to figure out, like, what is this? This is something important. And he's like, nah, it's just a rock. So the Guardians go to deal with deep, dark underbelly of the mafia here in the city. And boy, do they get messed the hell up. When Monster Girl turns into the monster, her whole face gets fucking smashed in half by her whole face gets smashed in half one of my my favorite person in this particular fight battle beast is number one but number two was the guy who just had an elastic you know rubber band belly he's a like c-level villain in invincible comics that you see occasionally like doing something stupid and then mark makes fun of him and gets him arrested he's your typical run-of-the-mill super villain that like robs banks and convenience stores and knocks over liquor stores and stuff like that with his whack ability. You can tell because he doesn't even have a costume. Dude looks like he needs more of a helping hand than to be arrested. He's just down on his luck. But he was able to do some damage as well. He was kicking some major ass. Uh, not as much ass as Battle Beast. The one thing I love about this show is that two of the major characters with weapons have blunt weapons. They show you the damage that a blunt weapon is able to do to somebody. Just absolutely ruin a face and split somebody's skull in half, break bones. Blunt weapons ain't no joke. They don't look as cool as your flashy sharp weapons and they can't do that cool samurai, I'm gonna run through you thing and then you're cut in half. But blunt weapons are just as good because they they leave most of the new guardians of the globe incapacitated. I feel bad for Robot here. Whatever his thing is with Monster Girl is really touching. At the end of this, we see that Cecil is looking for ways to hurt a Viltrumite. They make sure to get some of Mark's blood just to see what how, what would it take for us to hurt a Viltrumite? Maybe one that's hurting us. Not Mark, but maybe his murderous ass dad if we have to take care of him. How can we take care of him? Um, they mentioned before, like, oh man, I think Douglas is the name of the... Oh, Donald. Donald is the name of the guy. Uh, Cecil's assistant with the big lips saw that kaiju Cthulhu monster and was like, oh, this one had Nolan on the ropes. And it was like, okay, great freeze it, put it into storage, we might need it. So yeah, this whole thing is about them looking for a, c a contingency plan against Nolan because they know, they're not stupid, they know what Nolan did. But that's fine, I think the remix here worked perfectly fine and it fits in like a glove. Let's plow through three episodes of Attack on Titan. We'll talk about it by going character by character. First character I wanna talk about, Armin. Armin just wants to talk to Aaron because he, if he can talk to him, you know what, that's my family. He said that he cares about me. I want to talk to him and figure out where we stand. Okay, great. You guys get to talk to him. Yes, a held prisoner in a room because if he, his hand is cut and if he squeezes it, he is going to turn into a titan and turn everybody in, in there into powder. So you better behave. We find out that Armin is a slave to Berthold's love for Annie. And that seems to really be the only thing. It seems to be Berthold's strongest feelings one way or another were for Annie. And those feelings are lingering still in the back of Armin's head, which is why he spends so much time talking to Annie in the basement. With Armin, I don't know if he has a crush on Annie or not, but I know people love telling him he has a crush on her, so maybe he's starting to believe in himself. I always thought that Armin had a crush on Aaron, but after your crush beats the fucking shit out of you in front of God and everybody, there's not much there's not much uh, you can do anymore to reclaim that kind of love. I think that Armin started plotting as soon as Aaron hit him. When they're in the jail cell, Armin starts crying when he hears the euthanization plan. And they're like, what are you crying about? He's like, it's just so beautiful. It, the phoniest crying I've ever heard. It's clear that Armin is full of baloney and he has a plan. What that plan is, we won't know because they decided to leave us on a cliffhanger in this particular episode leading into the next half of the last season. It's really, um, 
shitty marketing to call this the last season and then go, haha, just kidding. The next season's actually the last season. Let's talk about Mikasa. Mikasa learns that she's been engineered to be a killing machine from birth. She's probably j will do anything anybody tells her as far as killing things because there was no real reason for her to listen to Aaron when she, they were kids when he said, hey, protect yourself. That explains why Aaron was able to communicate with Mikasa when he was asked if he had any last words and he called for Mikasa. There was no possible way she could have heard him, but her blood heard him. And yeah, talk of powers and stuff in this show is like, what? Really? But then again, people could turn into fucking giants at will. So I'm ready to believe almost anything at this point. And Mikasa gets her ass thrown in the dungeon. Baloney. He cares about both of them. Remember that that moment where like Armin was a fucking crispy critter and they were like, look, you gotta choose between Armin and Arwen. We have to make this choice as much of a tongue twister as possible. And you have to choose. And Aaron, missing teeth, begging, please save Armin. Please save Armin. He needs to see the ocean. Yeah, okay. He hates them. He always hated them. Get out of here with that shit. Zeke made the scales fall from my eyes and the rest of you are sheeple. Yeah, okay, Aaron. I think Aaron's full of shit. But we'll talk more about Aaron in a second. Just like Levi, whose whole goal and ambition was to make sure that Arwen's death wasn't in vain. He's living with that mission now, and he will do anything it takes to get that shit done. Speaking of Levi, let's go to Levi. Levi's whole thing was to watch Zeke in the woods. Just watch him. Keep an eye on him. He was given 30 soldiers to protect him. He's been getting messages back and forth, and also Zeke is eavesdropping on them. So who knows if these messages that Levi is letting Zeke hear, who knows if those are real messages or not. Because he knows that he can hear him makes me think that Levi's up to something. But it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems like Levi's legitimately getting information from Pixis. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff here that's, uh, they don't surrender anyway, so it doesn't even fucking matter. It's very interesting that he kind of just let him eavesdrop, but then he's like, who cares if he heard what we said? We're gonna feed him to somebody else anyway. Zeke uses his power and screams, and this is this turns everybody who drank the delicious fine wine has transformed into a titan, and Levi is told by Zeke, you know, oh, they didn't do anything wrong. They don't deserve any, they don't deserve this. And because Levi is Levi, he has a mission to make sure Armin didn't die in vain. He kills everybody. He doesn't do it without mercy. I'm sure he gives them all quick deaths and he does feel bad while he's doing it. He takes all that frustration out on Zeke later when he finally beats his ass as a Titan. Even though Titan Zeke is throwing around mulch, he's able to take his ass down in the fashion only Levi can do, which is the Beyblade style of combat. And he's able to restrain him. Oh, you want to scream to turn people into Titans? I'll give you something to scream about. As he chops his body up so he doesn't turn into a Titan. Love that shit. Love Levi. What's in the future for Levi? I think Levi's future is... It looked like he exploded. I don't think he actually exploded. I think what happened was he is seriously hurt. But I don't think that's going to deter him. I think you have to, like, destroy Levi until he is nothing but atoms in order for him to not want to fulfill his goal. I think that Levi's mission is stronger than Levi. I think at the very end of this series, Levi's just gonna drop dead from exhaustion. But until then, he's gonna keep fighting motherfuckers and being a badass, making me lose my shit every time he spins around in a circle. Let's talk about Zeke real quick. This one's a little bit more dense because he we actually get Zeke's backstory and the backstory of Zeke's mentor, Tom. I don't remember his last name, but I do know his name is Tom. And that name's easy for me to remember because Tom was the best friend you could have on MySpace back in the day when MySpace was a thing. I just dated myself. Oh, Lord. Zeke's whole plan is to euthanize all the Eldians so you don't got to worry about that shit no more. Titans will die out and it'll be great. It'll be a nice, peaceful, merciful end to the Eldian race. Except who let you make that decision for everybody? That's one. 
And two, yeah, I guess I get that you don't want Titans, but you're the motherfucker that's screaming them into existence. <laughs> you're the one who's making more Titans happen. He also knows more about the Titans than he's letting on, but I don't think he's hiding anything from his brother. I think he told Aaron everything he needed to know and kept no secrets from him because he felt like legitimately... I'm going to, he said, I'm going to come back and save you. He legitimately thought that and he legitimately went and did it. So I think he told him everything. I think the, he is the only one whose plan is out there existing somewhere in the open. It's also Tom's plan to euthanize all the Titans, which I don't think that Aaron is going to go and go through with. Something makes me think that Aaron is secretly on his dad's side still because in his thoughts, the owl told him to protect Aaron and Mikasa. He's a slave to his thoughts too. And yeah, right now he looks like a slave to Zeke because Zeke t- whispered in his ear for five seconds and already he's like, everything that I held dear to me before ain't shit. I'm following you to the death. Yeah, that doesn't sound like Aaron to me. We also get to find out that like Zeke felt like his parents were using him and they were honestly, he, all he was, was you're an heir to the throne. And usually when you're the heir to a throne someplace, they're going to use your ass regardless because he was of royal blood. They were like, look, you got to make you a Titan shifter for our plan to work. And he eventually ended up doing that, but he turned them in because it was like, look, it's you or me. He had the stronger will to preserve himself than his shitty parents that all he did was was yell at him. His dad learned from his mistakes in raising him and changed it to when he raised Aaron. He was a much different man. I think the fact that he changed is something that Aaron is also thinking about because I'm sure Zeke, Zeke told him all about him. Like, my dad was mean. And Aaron's like, my dad wasn't. sucks to be you but those are the major powers that be in this episode now that's the old thing we we're leading up to the episode kind of cliffhangers out at reiner versus aaron part five i think now at this point which i'm ready for i'm always ready to see a good mma titan beatdown and it'll be even worse because it's gonna be just aaron and probably armin versus what three four titans peak almost got aaron's ass eaten this time I was so excited to see Cart Titan. Oh, man. I was like, oh, my God, it's Cart. And they're like, you know, she's probably like, my name is Peak. And I was like, yeah, but you're Cart in my heart. And even rhymes. You put that shit on a Hallmark card. It's ready. She ended up playing Aaron as well. And Aaron's like, I don't trust her ass. He trusted her enough to sort of go along with her bullshit. But it was enough that she was able to enact her plan. There's blimps up there, but it doesn't look like the entire world is here. Just Marley. So I think this is going to end swiftly. And I think Marley's going to get defeated and sent back home and there might be some betrayals uh i think that reiner might turn on marley because of how he was treated and what's happening with his family and i think another reason that he might turn on marley is because gabby and falco might go hey these are good fucking people and the only people that hurt me were marleyans we're gonna finally see gabby turn the other cheek and go oh shit there's shades of gray in this it's not just black and white and i think gabby is gonna go oh shit these people are innocent people just like the people back in my home were innocent people. Rhina is probably also going to see this place as a place of regret. And he's not going to want to do what he did again. But he does want vengeance against Aaron because of Gobby and Falco. But I think once he finds that they're safe and that the Eldians protected him, Rhina's going to join the good guy team? Question mark? I don't know. Whichever team Armin's on is the good guy team. So team Armin. And they're going to go up against not the Colossal Titan, not, not the Beast Titan because he's just parts right now 
Um, but he is definitely going to make an appearance at least. Cart is going to definitely be there. Unless Cart's going to get suited up really quickly. I don't think Cart's going to be a big fighter in this. I think this is going to be, Cart's just going to have to like watch from the sidelines as everybody else fights. And so it's going to be Jaw and Rhyna. And Jaw seems like he's going to be like, fuck that shit. I'm Marleyan through and through. I'm doing this for the motherland. So yeah, Jaw, it's going to be everybody versus Jaw Titan and they're going to kill and eat him. Who do I think is going to get Jaws Titan in that case? I don't see Levi or Mikasa ever becoming Titans. But if you want to say somebody who jaw jacks, I think Gene, I think Gene is going to get the Jaw Titan. I would say that it would be poetic if it was given to Historia, but Historia has to take the Founder in order to do the rumbling. But what's going to happen is the Founder's will is going to be like, hey, knock it off. But the Founder's will might see the danger that Eldia's in and go, that's it, rumbling time. So yeah, that's my predictions for next season, because let's be real, it's another season, and the end of the extravaganza. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm audio underscore D-E-E, on Instagram at TJ, and on Tumblr at audio D, no underscore there. Thanks for hanging out.